Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wrap Up Podcast with Jake Fratinsky. Bringing you down to earth, exclusive interviews with hip hop artists from around the world. This is the Wrap Up Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky, and I am joined by an incredible artist today in Aria. I have been listening to his stuff from 2018 or even 2017. I know a lot of his fans have been rooting him on for quite a few years. Aria, talk to me a little bit about how your career started why you got into music is it from family is it just from a a passion for music how did you end up in this yeah man so it's it's kind of a interesting story because my brother is two years older than me and he's been making beats since about like when he was a junior in high school i believe so i was a i was a freshman and he produced for uh chief keef like in high school we're in high school together this is when chief keef was like really really big man so it was a big deal like everyone would come up to me and be like yo is your brother persian beats like that's insane like all these cool things and i would start going with him to like other friends house that uh, would make music with him they were doing it for like fun it was like people in our high school they were just like joking around making songs but i think i like pitched in one time on a lyric idea for like one line i'm sitting here bro like i'm like 14 years old and i was just i said like one line and they used it. And I remember that being like such a cool feeling for some reason. I was like, oh, wait, I like contributed. Like, this is fire. Never would have thought that would have been like one of the main reasons I would actually go and, you know, get a microphone, get a setup. I was recording on a Guitar Hero microphone for like two years. Like, I literally just used what I could in my house, just recording in my closet off my dad's old laptop for like two years on the most, you know, crappy like software doll. Like, just it was terrible. So, I would do it for a hobby just for fun. And I was very, very bad at the beginning because I, I didn't know how to sing. I didn't know anything about music. I just wanted to do it because I remember how much fun that was helping my brother out. And obviously he would make beats and stuff. So he was already doing music for a while. But then um, I like actually ended up getting kind of good. And my voice was you know changing as I got older. And I was in high school and around like my junior or senior high school, I put out a song called Sierra Drive. And that song ended up actually doing really well. I did like, like 30,000 plays on uh soundcloud and i was i remember being like damn like this is 
I actually have like fans from the song. Like people are actually hitting me up saying this is like their favorite song. People in my high school were like, dude, this song is like amazing. Like you're actually like, where have you, where'd you come from? Like, how do you, and I wasn't even really singing that song. I was kind of like rapping, honestly. So it, it was really interesting because I went from being like so bad and just like doing it as like a hobby and for fun because my brother was doing it to actually getting like some, you know, reactions from it. And some people actually saying, yo, dude, I bump this like every single day. Like this song's good. Like make more music, like do it. So I did. And then, like I said, same thing, even from high school to now, like my voice has changed. I've learned how to sing more. I've learned, I've taught myself so much about music. I've learned from so many other people. And then, you know, long story short, I ended up getting signed to Republic Records uh, in 28 or 27 or no, 2018. I think it's 2018, 2019 ish. Um, God, it's been some time. So I can't even remember exactly what year, but it's been, it's been a few years ago. I got signed to Republic, uh, Lava Republic. Um, my boy, Mike Flom, shout out Mike, uh, son of Jason Flom signed me. Um, because my manager is from New York and they like met each other and eventually he put me on. So shout out Sal, my old manager for doing that. I would not have gotten that deal without you. And yeah, man, I mean, long story short, they signed me and I ended up getting a feature with T-Pain and that was kind of where that stuff jump started from 2019 and um, got a lot of cool traction from that. So seeing like the difference in three years from 2016, my senior high school to 2019 landing, like my first record label deal, which was like the biggest label in the world at the time to getting a song with T-Pain, like just six months later, like I could have never predicted that. So like, yeah, man, it was just a big jump. And I really just got started in it because it was fun. Like I literally had nothing else to do in my free time. I really didn't do much in my free time when I was a kid. Besides play video games with my brother, play video games with my friends or do just like, you know, nothing that's really progressive. So once I like saw my brother making beats and stuff, I didn't even really want to make beats at the beginning. I just wanted to kind of like be the artist. I wanted to kind of record like, I wanted to do something music related because I saw how much fun he was having. And I was like, yo, I want to be a part of this too. And then it actually ended up bringing a lot of, you know, new cool things. Now I have a bunch of cool stories I can tell for the rest of my life. No matter what else happens, I made a lot of money from it, which is very, very great. Like I'm very grateful for that. So it's, I met a lot of new cool people. I met literally, like I got to talk to T-Pain, like I got to make a song with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's really cool that literally just out of doing something for fun, because, you know, you have a hobby for it or you just find pure enjoyment out of it that you can actually change your life. So I think that's the coolest part about all this is no matter what happens with the rest of my life, like I get to have those stories and those stories are always going to be, you know, an eternal thing. Like I, I can always talk about that and I can always, I always live that. I always, you know, experience that. So, um, man, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a lot, it's a lot, man, but it's, it's, it's really fun that I'm still here and doing it. Cause without my brother, I don't know where I'd be. Honestly, I give, I give him the most praise. Cause if he wasn't making beats, I don't even know how he got into making beats. If he wasn't making beats when I was like 14, I probably would have never picked up a microphone. So it's a, uh, it's really, it's a lot of people that have helped me get here without even knowing it, which is the craziest part. It's pretty cool just to hear how passionate you are about it, but how you're also just really easy going with it. You're yeah. able to just roll with the punches and that's what sounds so incredible. You talk about at the beginning that you just tried it out. You didn't even hmm. know that you were good at it. And even in, when you started out, you weren't necessarily good at it. Was you didn't necessarily <laughs> have a good voice, but it's incredible that you say that because obviously uh, as a fan, I, I li I've listened to everything you've put out and it, you do have a really good voice. And it's incredible <laughs> how over time that can happen. It doesn't mean that you're born with a great voice right off the bat. Cause Obviously, we have artists like Mariah Carey, Beyonce. They're mm -hmm. born with incredible voices. Not everyone has that story. And it's exciting, I think, to hear for the general public to know that if you don't have it right away, if you keep at it, you might actually get it. And I feel yeah. like that's maybe what happened with you. 
I want to talk a little bit about the record label and what that meant for you for your career. Are you still with them? And how big of a difference does that make in terms of not only obviously the money, but in terms of the people you get to meet and what you can learn? Because it sounds like you're a little bit of a sponge. You're willing to learn and take in from anyone, whether it's T-Pain or your manager or the record label. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I got signed in 2019. And th- now that I'm remembering it, it was 2019 when I actually got the offer. And then in 2020, like the beginning of 2020 was when the song came out, I believe in July or April 4th, I want to say. Um, I actually have the Billboard uh, article posted on my room. So I'm looking at it right now. It says April 5th, 2018 is when the song came out. So I'm mixing my whole years up. I swear it was 2019. Maybe it's 2018. I guess it's 2018. But it, like I said, it was a while ago. So I kind of forgot exactly what year. But it, uh, yeah, so I ended up getting signed and... Um, immediately the biggest song i had out on my soundcloud page also this is a story that just no one really knows about except my close friends from waco but first off r.i.p xxx tentacion but he is also a very big reason of why i had so much success because x when when he was locked up before he actually got out and started getting you know to that major stardom level that he did i think looked at me had just came out and his club uh his uh like collective were doing SoundCloud reposts on his SoundCloud page. This is back when SoundCloud was very, very big for artists. And they would charge only like 50, 100 bucks, 150 bucks for a SoundCloud repost. Dude, I would drop a song and pay them 150 bucks or so to repost it and literally watch and like refresh my SoundCloud page and watch me get like 100 likes every like two minutes, like 2000 plays every like whatever. Like it was just going up nonstop. I would just gain followers. These are all real people, bro. I was getting like real comments and everything. I was literally on X's like SoundCloud page. So first off, shout out to him and his camp for that because the reason I think that I did so well with Farsi and like all these other songs were because I got noticed in the first place from them. So when uh when i got signed farsi was my biggest song on my soundcloud page with mikey mikey 100k and it uh i think i had like two hundred thousand plays or something and the re one of the biggest reasons i got signed was because mike flom my homeboy his dad jason flom the ceo of lava republic records wanted to do uh they wanted to re-release that song because it was my biggest song he thought it was super catchy he's like i can't get out of my head like this song's a hit and uh he ended up he we ended up doing it, but he was like, yo, the song's been out for some time. Like we need it. If we want to re-release it, we have to do it as a remix. That's the only way we can like push it to publications or, you know, any blogs or we, it's the only way we can get actual traction from it is if it's something new, we can't push like an old song like that. Um, at least that's what they thought. So uh, we started thinking about people for the remix. Um, the funniest part is one of the first people that was almost going to get on the song was Amine. And uh, that was like a really funny story because Amine's manager was in the Republic building when Jason was playing it in his office. And he walked by and he asked for the open verse uh, so he could show Amine. So I guess that actually didn't end up going through, but I'm not super mad because, like I said, I got T-Pain on it anyway, which is, you know, one of my favorite artists of all time. So we were, like, looking for people for the song. We couldn't really find anyone, like, perfect. And then one day I kind of just mentioned, like, is like what about T-Pain? Like, I think he's, like, starting to come back a little bit. I think he, he's done with his little break. I think he's, like, actually trying to make music again. Like, should we hit him up? Like, should, do you think it'd be worth to hit him up? And we did. And turns out he was like, he was down to listen to it. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's awesome. Like, he's actually going to even like listen to it. Like that alone is fire. And then he ended up saying that he loved it and that he was willing to do it like half off his normal future price anyway. Like he was going to do it like relatively cheap for us. And I was like, yo, that's, that's insane. Like that, that's perfect. That worked out great. Like what the fuck? Like, let's do that. So we, we, we did. And uh, I remember getting his verse back like a few months later and just losing my mind, bro. Like that, 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 like, I'll never forget that day ever. Um, so we got that, we got that back and, you know, 
long story short, obviously, like the song came out, you know, he was super helpful with it. He showed he actually showed Dan Bozerian the song. Um, he was good friends with Dan Bozerian. I think he still is. And uh, I remember like being in a movie theater watching like The Incredibles 2 or something like just something stupid. And I have all these people DMing me like his story. I'm like, why are people DMing me Dan Bozerian's story? Like, I don't even follow him like that. And it was just because he was bumping Farsi like at some like private like party he was having. I was like, what what what's going on? Like, how does this even happen? So. Yeah, man, I was with the label for a while. I ended up leaving um, because unfortunately we had put too much. Uh, I think the way that we kind of like ended up like talking about it with me and my friend Mike was about like, I didn't recuperate enough uh, streams and sales for the advance I had initially gotten from them. Uh, I don't want to go, it's like, you know, too direct with every number, but I obviously got a healthy advance when I got signed with them. Um, and essentially it's a recuperable advance. So the song Farsi would have to have done well enough to make back that money. And we just, I guess, you know, Looking back on it, we could have done so much, so many things different. Like maybe we shouldn't have got the T-Pain feature. Maybe we should have like spent money on more marketing or whatever, whatever. But it is what it is. And um, the best option was for me to actually just get dropped because I could have easily stayed with them and then just been a shelved artist on a big label, which is every artist's worst nightmare. You don't want to stay with a label and have them have all your rights and all these things and not even like let you release music. You're literally like stuck. Like you can't even do anything. So I was actually fortunate looking back on it now that I was dropped um, and they let me go and we split ways like clean slate. Like I didn't owe them anything. You know, I just got a fresh start going back into music independently. So I ended up leaving them a few years later, like about a year or two later, I actually part of ways with my manager, Sal, I was going through a lot in my personal life and a lot of my music life. And I was just like, I need a break like from everything. Um, you know, I've been through hell and back. So I was like, I need to, I need to get out of this. Like, let me just, let me just be by myself. I think I can actually make this work by myself. If I like have the time to reflect on everything by myself, so he understood. He perfectly understood. And I thanked him for everything, man. I would have never gotten that deal without him. I would have never met Mike Flom without him. Um, I would have not have gotten a lot of things without him. He took, he was the first guy outside of Waco who took a chance on me without ever meeting me in person. He was literally in New York the entire time and just like met me online. So like that was that was a big chance he took. And I, I, I'm forever grateful for him for that. So. Yeah, man, I ended up, you know, just being independent for a while. I signed with Empire. Um, I got a little side deal with Empire from Mike Flom, too. He hooked me up with that. That's what we released between us. I released, like, a few records under them. Nothing, like, crazy happened with them. You know, it was cool, but, you know, it was it's just a lot of people under Empire. So I ended up actually leaving that, too, um, and was just, you know, solely independent for a while. And then I actually got recruited to my current label, United Masters. Um, this girl, this A&R who used to work at Republic when I was there, uh she like hit me up literally right after my empire deal like i got out of it and she was like yo um i want to get you with a united masters like i was like i've never heard of this like what is it and she's like well it's an app like it's a record label app that literally anyone can sign up for like we have like a lot of people on it but i'm gonna make you like a priority artist like i'm recruiting you essentially so like you're gonna get the benefits of like having a and r you know having like these things that a lot of people have these opportunities a lot of people won't have like we do a lot of good sync opportunities we do like all these cool things like let me like you know let's get you in here like let's actually make some shit shake and i was like all right say like i have nothing else to lose like say less so i signed up with them in the matter of my first two records i released 661 and new believer they actually both got it ended up um getting placed in the nba 2k21 video game so that was off rip like i was just getting sync placements just like that i was like wow that's that's insane like <laughs> i literally just six months in like she was in line like they, they actually really have amazing connections man and i'm technically still an independent artist like that's there's no contract with them like if i were to get an offer tomorrow i could easily leave i don't even i don't even know if i would to be honest but like i could and yeah it's just like it was a really cool 
it's a really cool thing that they got going on over there. So I've had, a, I've, a, I've had a couple more like sync opportunities, you know, come about and there's still plenty more. Like they just actually uh, invited like, or did like a new like invite only uh, sync library for their select artists where essentially you can like pre-clear songs um, that they pick. And that way it's like a music library for any company that comes and wants to get music from them. It's already pre-cleared. So like, they have deals with like Bose, AT&T, the NBA, ESPN, North Face, like just so many big companies. So if anyone were to come and want a song quickly, like off the rip, they could just come and pick one they like and it's already cleared. And then bam, you just got a sync placement like just like that without having to do anything. So they are very, very, very helpful right now. And they're like, I honestly think they're the future. Like I think they're the future of music for sure because you get to keep all your masters, you get to keep all your royalties. You know, it's it's a it can't get much better than that. Plus you literally get to make these like, you know, big plays with the sync opportunities and stuff. So the big label stuff was cool. Like I definitely, you know, met a cool amount of people and got like a really cool, like feel for it. Even though I wasn't this major artist, I was under a major label. I mean, you can go on, you could, you could have went on Republic's records, Republic records website. And like, my name was right next to Ariana Grande. Like I thought that was insane. You know, all these people on that label, the Post Malone, the weekend Drake, like all these amazing artists that I love. I was a part of that catalog with them. So that was definitely super, super cool. But at the end of the day, if I'm not like, you know, where I want to be, what does it even matter? Right. So I'd much rather be on an independent label who, you know, can actually get me to where I want to be rather than be on this like superstar label where I'm just one of these no name people that no one's even heard of. Right. So it uh, it adds it adds they both have like, you know, their flaws and they both have their perks. But I think I'm going to like I said earlier, man, I think I'm in a really good place right now. And I think I'm exactly where I need to be because I have complete control of my destiny now. And no one else can take that away from me. So at the end of the day, like, I'm just going to keep working and, you know, whatever is meant to be will be. And I'm just going to do everything I can to make sure that hopefully, you know, I will get where I need to be. So that's pretty much like all I can say about like major label experience versus like, you know, independent label experience and just kind of how everything played out for me, I guess. You know, everyone else has different stories. And I honestly think I had a very, very fortunate outcome with my major label experience because you can read so many stories about these artists just getting like absolutely fucked bro like shelved years like of non be like black the artist black like he had a huge story about like him being signed on artists that he could not have gotten out of that deal for years and he was like it just takes a toll on you bro like it absolutely demolishes you as an artist because you just want to release stuff you want to get big you want to like you know tour you want to do all these cool things and you just can't so I definitely got the, the better end of the stick on that one, which I am so thankful for looking back. I went through a very bad depression when I got dropped, but I was young and I didn't even realize how fortunate I was in retrospect. So I honestly, I can't thank God enough for, like, you know, letting me experience that and letting me getting at it, letting me, letting me get out of it in the most positive way possible. Like for real, it's, it was a blessing in disguise, honestly. It's something that we hear from so many artists. I've heard that they sign with a big label and it sounds great and it can be great, but it can also be really detrimental yeah. to an artist, particularly an artist that isn't maybe a huge name brand yet. And like you said, they can get shelved and it mm -hmm. sucks. And especially in this new day and age where people just want to put their stuff out whenever they want. If you wake up the next morning and you feel like putting out your song, you want to just be able to do that because there are platforms that allow you to do that. So it seems crazy that you can't. And obviously with big yeah. labels, there comes all these restrictions and all these rules. It's interesting to hear your almost roller coaster ride that you've had. You went from not being an artist, starting to like it. Then obviously you see some success. You land a record label deal. It's obviously a huge deal. 
things mm. go really well, but maybe don't continue the way you wanted. You leave, you join a new one, you leave. And now you've landed a place and you named it United Masters. And I haven't heard of it either. And it sounds like the perfect in between. It sounds like you get the backing of a label. You get that reputation that they bring, but then you also get that independence as an artist and you can release songs when you want and you can sign a new record label deal if you want to. And that to me sounds incredible. I feel like so many artists, particularly when they're starting, have no idea about all these other opportunities, all these I'll call alternatives to mm. big labels. I think so many artists think, oh, I just got to keep hustling till I get a big label. That's yeah. not always the answer. That's not always the best path for everyone. For some artists, it might be, but for the majority of artists, going with a big label is not necessarily a good thing because as you said, mm. you could have some success and then they shelve you and you basically can't release music until they say so. And that's... Yeah. That can be really unfortunate. So I'm glad that you dove really deep into that and explained it because I hope that a lot of people who get the chance to listen to this will learn a little bit. I hope that young artists can listen to this and say, hey, I want to follow his path, but maybe I won't go the exact path. Maybe I'll make my way to a place like United Masters that's going to be a better alternative for me and a better situation for me and still allow me to have some sort of independence as an artist and write and release songs basically more or less whenever I want. So it's interesting to hear that. I want to talk a little bit about your heritage. I know you're a first generation American living in Waco, Texas. You're Iranian, I believe, originally. Talk to me a little bit about that and maybe how that's also impacted your music or your sound or your lyrics. Yeah, man. So, I mean, like you said, I'm a first generation. I mean, my parents, wow. I mean, you talked about earlier, like why I wanted to, you know, do music, how I got into it, or maybe you said, how did I get into it? I don't know if we ever talked about exactly why I do it now, like why maybe I continue doing it besides the fact of um, me personally, just liking it so much. And, you know, I always think, or I always believe that if you're going to live literally just to all we know, we live one life, you know, and I, I'm a big believer that if you're going to live only one life, you might as well make it the most um, and do exactly what you love every single day. Um, so that is why I want to do music. Cause that's the one thing I love and I cannot see myself doing anything else, but a big reason of also why I'm doing it. Probably the biggest reason is for my parents. Like we, they came to Waco. I mean, my dad came, I think when he was like 16, like from straight from Iran, like literally a 16 year old escaping their war they're having over there. I'm pretty sure they're having like some kind of like civil war. I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with it. I think it was a war between Iraq and Iran. I'm not sure. But yeah, brother, he came from, he was 16 to avoid going into the military right after high school. Um, so he left because he knew that was an ultimate, you know, thing that was going to happen was he was going to have to go to the military. You know, I've had uncles who went to the military after high school, like most people had to back then because it was just a bad war going on. So he left, uh, came here, didn't know an ounce of English, <laughs> didn't have a house, didn't, he was homeless for a while, didn't have, you know, a job, couldn't get a job because he didn't have an address, couldn't get a house because he didn't have a job, like literally stuck and had to go find just some he had like one friend i think from iran that was living in uh either in california or somewhere he wanted to go stay with him but man he's he's went everywhere across the country like just being a hustler dude his entire life he was you know going from san francisco to atlanta for a little bit to uh texas to different states back to texas like just moving around trying to make it and um he actually ended up going back home like when he was i guess in his 30s uh and met my mom 
And, you know, they hit it off and got married. And then she came here with him. It was a lot easier for her to come because obviously, you know, he was he was already a citizen. So it was easier for her to get a green card and all that, which is amazing. And then I think they came to they came to they moved around Texas a lot. But I think Texas was like a final destination for them. And then they ended up moving from like Webster. It's like a small town outside of Houston where they had my brother. They moved to Galveston, had me. And then eventually we ended up coming to Waco when I was like two. And we've been here ever since, thankfully. But yeah, bro, I mean, my parents, like my mom, even back in the day, she was telling me when there were wars going on, like she was going to bed listening to like bombs go off, like literally like it, you know, it was like, it almost makes me like tear up talking about it because like we have people just like complaining about nothing over here, you know, like people will just literally find anything to complain about. And I'm just like, but you go to bed every night. Okay. Right. Like you go to bed in a warm bed, like AC, if you want it, TV, if you want it, your cell phone right next to you, if you want, like. And then my mom had to go to bed like with that, like, that's not fair. Like, that's not cool. So they definitely have had an extremely, extremely different life um, than us. Like, and I'm, they sacrificed everything to have, you know, to, to be able to have me and my brother have an opportunity at a normal life here in America. So I first off cannot thank them more than enough um, for that because without them, I mean, I, I, yeah, uh, there's, there's nothing else I can even say about that, man. Like it's, they literally deserve the world and more like they deserve every world possible. So my biggest goal, um, as an artist is to make sure I can be financially stable enough for one day I can pay them back. And I know I can never fully pay them back. Obviously, um, there's no amount of money that you can pay someone to, uh, you know, provide that for you and give you that uh, opportunity, but it's, you know, I can try, I can try my best. I can try to go win a Grammy for them. I can go do like all these cool things for them. And they're the biggest supporters of mine, you know, like they're, they're very realistic too. Like when it first started, when I first like got signed and stuff or right before then they were asking what I want to do with my life. And I was telling them music and, you know, they're like, no stereotypical like middle eastern parents they're like yeah like well maybe like you know maybe go get like a you know go get a job go to college like whatever thing and i'm just like well i mean i could but it's a waste of money like i don't really want to do that you know i want to do music and then once i got like signed to republic it opened their eyes a little more they're like oh wow like he's actually pretty good like maybe he has a chance and then you know i obviously kept on doing it and got better and you know they never cared what happened with me they just you know at this i think they eventually realized that i'm just happy doing this like this is what i'm happiest doing so they uh you know, it's like, like I said, man, it's, it's hard because they just had a completely different life growing up and like even just way more than most people did. So it was, I never, we, we would butt heads a lot growing up. And even when I was like a preteen, like 16 year old or whatever, and, or a preteen to like to a 16 year old and the young adult and everything that we would like always butt heads on stuff. And I would never understand why. And as soon as I started getting older, I would like realize, and they would tell me these stories. I was like, Oh my God, like y'all are y'all are just so different. Like y'all, y'all, it doesn't even seem like that because we seem so normal right now, but y'all like had an entirely different life, man. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Cause we don't even have other family here. Like it's literally just us. It's literally my mom and dad, and my brother in Waco. We have like, I think one, my mom has like a cousin out in California, um, cousins out in Vancouver, like one or two. And that's it, man. Like everyone else, literally everyone else is back home in Iran. And my mom goes to see them like every year if she can. COVID kind of fucked that up a few years ago, but she's been going like every year. My dad hasn't been in like, like since I was like 10, 12. So it's been about like 12 years. And even before that, he didn't go back for like 20 years. Like he never goes back because he just works so much here. You know, he's still pulling five, six days, sometimes a week at 60 years old, 12 hour shifts working here to make sure we're okay, bro. So even to this day, like I see him doing that. And I'm just like, man, the hustle just really doesn't stop for some people. And that's definitely where I get my grind from a hundred thousand percent. And that's also why, like, I want to be able to pay him back so he can just stop working. You know, my man's 60, like they both, my mom's like 57. They both, they're both working all the time and complaining about their health, complaining about how like they're in pain and all these things, man. And it's just like, it's painful to see as a kid, man. Cause you want to be able to just 
tell them to quit, like put their feet up and never have to, you know, go back to work again. Just enjoy the rest of their life while they're here. Like they're, they've worked so much. They've been through so much. Like when is it, when is it their chance to, to, you know, relax and just enjoy life for what it is. So it definitely, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself for that because I feel like I'm the only one here that can do that and change their lives um, because I have such good opportunities or I could have possibly great opportunities. And that alone is definitely like even fucked with my mental state a lot. Cause I'm just like, damn, what if I'm, what if I can't, like, what if I don't end up doing that and they have to work until they die? Like I would, I would hate myself, man. Like I would hate myself. If that was like the actual outcome. So it, it definitely puts pressure on me, but it also like, you know, as cheesy as it is, pressure makes diamonds. And I definitely like want to, you know, use that pressure to fuel me to, you know, know that there's like a time, you know, there's like a time limit. Like, I don't know how much longer they got, even though they're 60, they're still young, but like, you know, you just never know, like people die any day. So I just got to make sure that I can do what I can while they're still here and make sure that they at least get some time of that, like dream life, you know, where they can go live wherever they want, do whatever they want, enjoy their life. Like I said, I can't really fully pay them back, but I can do my damn best. And that's just, you know, getting whatever they need and making sure they're financially stable for the rest of their life and just making sure they're happy, man. And I know what makes them most happy is that I'm happy. And, and it goes both ways. The most, the most happy I'll be is when they're happy. So as long as we're both happy, like, you know, life's, life's perfect. So I'm just uh, I'm just doing what I can to make sure they're OK and make sure my brother's OK for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I, it's there's not many people I'd want to take care of like that, but they're definitely they're definitely uh, they're, they're all I had growing up, man. Like I didn't have many friends growing up, so they were all really I had. But, yeah, that's a, that's probably the biggest reason why I'm doing this. Heavy stuff. It's it's incredible, you know, the way you've opened up here and it, it sounds like you got your head on right. You have your priorities clear you know who has taken care of you and who you want to take care of. And it's, it's pretty incredible. It sounds like your parents have sacrificed so much, you know, just listen to you. I'm also tearing up. It's, it's it's, incredible. It's it's crazy. I mean, look, they've, they've given up so much, right. They've sacrificed pretty much their entire lives to move across the world to Mm. give you and your brother something special. And it sounds like you guys are doing it. And you're doing everything you can, like you said, to take care of them and repay them. And you definitely you're, you're doing it right. So if you're, if you're wondering, are you doing it right? Believe me, (laughs) you are. And it's pretty clear from, from what you're saying and both yourself going through that roller coaster in your career, your parents have gone through a roller coaster as well, but it sounds like at the very least you're all doing it together. And like you said, all that's important is you have a warm bed to sleep in at night and there's food on the table. And that's really, really all that matters. It, it's funny. We forget sometimes in this first world, how bad things can be. We complain mm. about the simplest, dumbest things. Yeah. And it's nice to sort of be grounded for a moment and take mm-hmm. that step back and say, Hey, things are pretty good. Okay. We have stresses. We have good days. We have bad days, but our days are never terrible. And I think we, we really need to remember that. Mm-hmm. I want to transition to play a clip of one of your songs, one of my favorite songs called 661. Mm-hmm. I want to play it. We'll listen to it, talk a little bit about it, and then we'll okay. wrap this episode up by talking about your plans for the future. Sounds good, man. What's five Falling off a one and only six six one. I double up and call the whole team. I hit stick run. You fumbling and see me scoring. It's misfit farm, but she keep running to 
such a, an incredible song it's funny you talk about how you didn't used to sing but your voice sounds incredible <laughs> on that Appreciate on that it, track and with all the artists i talk to it's nothing bad against them but a lot of them that i love and i still listen to their music they're not necessarily distinct you can't always distinguish the difference between them and another artist yeah and you just have a very unique distinct sound when i hear a song by you, I know it's your song. I never mix it up with another artist. And I think that that's something that's really unique. And I don't think that that's easy to find. Finding that sound, was it hard to get there? Because I mean, you talk about you had to learn a bit. You have that very distinct sound now. Is that on purpose? Uh, I mean, sort of, but like, so I, I remember when I was like, when I was learning, like how to teach myself how to sing, a lot of uh, songs, a lot of artists I was listening to were like very melodic people, like not even like hip hop melodic, like Lil Uzi or like Playboy Cardi. It was like Bryson Tiller. Like I was obsessed with Bryson Tiller, bro. Like I still love Trap Soul to this day. Like it was Bryson Tiller. It was Post Malone. It was people who were could who could do hip hop, but were like just very melodic singers. And they had a lot of vibrato in their voice. If people don't know what vibrato is, it's like the shaky like Post Malone, like when he holds out his ooze and like it shakes like it was stuff like that. And I never knew like how they, I always thought it was like, like computers doing. I thought it was like auto-tune doing that. And then I listened to them live and I was like, no, they're like shaking their voice, like by themselves, like with their like throat. So I literally like just taught myself how to do that. And it's not an easy thing. Cause like, it's, I mean, maybe it is to some people, but to me, I don't know, Post Malone, I remember literally had a tweet like in 2018 or something. And it was just like, if you're smart, you can learn how to sing. It's that easy. He's like, if you're smart enough, you can learn how to sing. It's just not hard. Like you just have to be smart enough. And I remember seeing that. And that was like, as I was transitioning to like my middle, quote unquote, like middle tier voice to like my current tier voice, which I assume is like pretty, you know, higher tier than it was before. I think I'm always just getting better as, you know, anyone should. So I remember like seeing that and I was just like, no, he's right. Like, I'm just going to go watch videos of him like singing or something. I'll listen to his songs and just literally replicate what he's doing. And I, I don't do mine for my throat, but like all the vibrato that you might hear in my songs now is like from my lips. And it's funny because I just uh, went to L.A. last year with Mikey 100K and a few of my other friends. And that was the first time he saw me record in, in person. And the first take I did, I was I was doing vibrato on a take. And he was just like this motherfucker. And I was like, what? He was just like, dude, you really like you really do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you literally like you do that with your voice. Like, how do you do that? And I was like, bro, you do it too. He's like, yeah, after like 100 takes, like, how do you do it in the first take? And I just remember dying, bro, because I looked up to Mikey so much. Like, that is one of my biggest, like, inspirations and mentors. And I was just like, that's so funny, bro. Like, people people just don't see people do that that often. I remember being with another producer in L.A. that same time, and he heard me do it too. And he was just like, bro, you don't know how many people be faking their shit. Like, you actually got it like that. I was just like, bro, you, you need to humble me a little bit. You need to stop. I need to be humble. Like, stop. And it was just so funny because people just aren't used to that. But I'm just like I said, bro, it's literally just like I literally try to replicate some of these artists like Bryson, Post Malone, like Drake, all these people. And I guess by doing so, I ended up getting my own 
like voice out of it. And it's really funny because another really big moment of my like, quote unquote, like creating my sound was I remember being at so H, my homeboy H is like my lifelong friend, best friends for life, like literally has known me since I've been in diapers. He's also like the producer of 661, uh, Too Easy, multiple of my songs on Spotify, and like in my catalog. But we were at his like girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend's house, like we were fucking like 16. I was 16, he was like 18 or 19. And he was house sitting uh, with his girlfriend and like he brought some of his recording equipment because we had to finish up a song. And I remember there was one take where my voice went from like how it was when I was 16 to like this raspy, like just solid raspy take that was like so ear pleasing. And I remember he was going crazy about that. And I didn't get it at the time. He was like, bro, this is like the best you've ever sounded like this one line. Like you need to do this all the time. And I guess just listening to that for a while, I learned how to get like raspy whenever I wanted to. So I think the rasp slash like the verbato slash just the pitch and the tone of my voice all like came together. I think I always had the pitch and tone, but I think once I learned how to control my raspiness, because I can control that easily now. And once I can control my verbato, which I can also do that pretty easy, like as soon as I brought all three of those elements together while listening to all these other big artists trying to mimic them, it literally just brought this like whole like sound together that created Aria. Like it just created me and you're right, bro. Like, I don't even like to toot my own horn, but there is not many, there are not many people that sound like me. Like it's, it's hard. There are people that replicate shit like me, like the vibrato and the rasp, but like the actual tone and like cadences I bring and the pitch, like it's, it's, it's me. Like I have yet to, I listen to a lot of music, a lot of melodic music and I haven't heard anyone, heard anyone like anywhere near me. Like you can find some people that might say like so-and-so sound like me, which is fine. But the actual like spot on dude, like, I've heard so many artists sound like Polo G, so many artists sound like Playboy Cardi, so many artists sound like literally sound like these people. But even Post Malone, I've heard a few people like sound like Post Malone. But, you know, I just haven't found anyone yet that sounds like me. And I think I thankfully did a pretty good job of half like purposefully constructing that and half literally just accidentally, literally like just accidentally constructing that voice just because I was fucking around and my vo I didn't clear my throat one day, you know, and I just did a take and I was like, oh, my God, this is actually I didn't realize that sounded so good. So now I can clear my throat and I can still figure out how to do rasp. It's, it's insane, bro. The human body is absolutely nuts. The fact that you can control everything like that. And um, the fact that people find that so pleasing too, like even right now talking, I haven't cleared my voice in a while and my voice is naturally starting to get a little more raspy and stuff. So it's like, you can, you can control that all you want. And I will always remember that post Malone tweet because you know, it's, it's, it's really a, it's really like a statement for anything like if you're smart enough you can really like do anything you know just you don't have to be that smart you just have to like figure figure it out you know it's not it's not none of this is rocket science like nothing in music is rocket science nothing in like your average like job or career is rocket science unless you're literally probably a rocket scientist you know so it's like it's not it's like people overthink everything i'm a big overthinker too i learned to i've, I've been learning how to calm down and like just you know take everything as it is and you know just put everything in perspective but yeah man people people really like overcomplicate everything when it's really just not that hard. So being natural, like is the best thing that you can do, especially for music. Like if I spend my, if I catch myself spending more than like 20, 30 minutes making beats or, you know, unless it's a really good beat, but like if I spend myself like catching 20, 30 minutes making beats, 20, 30 minutes trying to record something to a beat, it's, it's next beat. Like um, I didn't naturally get it the first few times. I'm probably not going to get it. Or if I do, it's going to sound way too forced, you know? So it's like, I'm very like, I, le I learned to become very easygoing. Um, I've learned not to overcomplicate my songs. Like no one, no one is going to pay attention to the stuff you spend two hours on in a song versus you like messing up like 20 times in the song. They're not going to know it was a mess up. It's like improv, like improv acting. Like if you go in an improv acting class and you 
deny someone's, you know, in action they're doing to you in an improv uh, scene, like their audience is going to know because whatever. But if you don't deny it and literally just keep going, they don't know that you fucked up. They don't know that, like you, that wasn't supposed to happen, you know? So like there's supposed to be mistakes in music. There's supposed to be like normalness in music. There's supposed to be human in music. Like there's supposed to be just human stuff in music. And like I said, people just overcomplicate things too much. And that's a big thing that I got as soon as I started getting older and, you know, just got better at music. Like that's something I had to teach myself and something that I saw from a lot of people and, you know, heard people, heard other artists talking about. So it's, it's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, man, but it's at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just normal. Like it's just easy stuff. It's just stuff that's become so second nature to me, thankfully. And, you know, I, I love it. I love it so much and I wouldn't want any other way. Magic. That's what I call it. That voice, <laughs> what you bring, it's, it's magic. And that's exactly going to drive me to my next point, which is we always want more, man. No yeah. matter how many times I listen to the same songs, I'm begging for more. You got all <laughs> these fans begging for more. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about future. Obviously, the ultimate goal for artists is always or hopefully it's always mm -hmm. to produce a full project and album. Yeah. Is that a plan? Is the plan to keep pushing singles for the next while? Is there no plan at all? And you're kind of just free flowing. Half and half. Like I, I, I've realized every time I've made a plan in music or my career, shit never goes as planned like that. It just never does. Like you can manifest things for sure. And I have, but I can sit here and say that, you know, I am going to do this and then watch something else is going to happen. And then I have to do something else. So I, I, we spoke right before we actually got on about like kind of my release schedule, like my release plans, but I was or a little bit about it. And I was mentioning that like, you know, singles are just a lot easier to push. So that's probably why I was going to just do singles for a while. That's why I've done singles for so long. Um, but I've had, I've had fans since literally 2016 who, you know, have been so dedicated and want, want albums. They want a project. They want something that they can just play nonstop on repeat. Like, you know, just, every day and trust me i would love love more than anything to give that to y'all too but it's like it's just it's just like like i said man singles are a lot easier to push i want to get a little bit bigger before i do that because like it's not i don't even care how the numbers will do on it like it's not about like how my spotify is going to look or anything it's just about like if i'm going to put all this into an album make it an amazing album in my opinion and then just for it to you know not like reach the audience that I think it deserves to reach. Cause at the end of the day, I have an audience in my head that like a targeted audience or amount of people that I think my music is deserving of listening, being listened to. And um, if a song doesn't hit that or an album doesn't hit that, then I'm going to be pretty frustrated. And then essentially I'm just going to probably not release music for a while, which is no fun for anybody. Right. So like, it's, it's, it's gotten to a point where I've realized that, you know, I've tried EPs and stuff on SoundCloud back in the day. Like I've tried little projects and, Every time I've just realized that I'm just not that big yet where now it's because I want to be, which really sucks for the people, like I said, about, you know, who've been waiting since 2016, who've been day one fans. Like, it really sucks for y'all. And I'm sorry, because y'all definitely deserve a million projects, you know, and, and one day I will give it to y'all. One day, I promise I'll give y'all the best album I can possibly do. But my ideal situation right now is, you know, put out these singles. I want to get more, you know, uh, hopefully some more uh, sync placements with United Masters. You know, they, like I said, they've been taking really good care of me. I want to see if any of these songs can stick, hopefully get some more revenue from that. And then I can use that towards, you know, getting bigger singles, maybe put more of that money in promotion for my singles, my future singles to get bigger. And at some point, man, if I hit like 100,000, 200,000 monthly listeners, I'll drop a project like that is very 
like I, I'm okay with being that, you know, that, in that level of uh, artistry, at least on Spotify, like I'll drop a project because I know I'm getting like, you know, I have like 10,000 followers on Spotify at that point, like I'll do it, you know, if I were to like triple, quadruple my status right now, like by all means, man, I'm dropping projects, like I'm doing all that because um, people are, people, I just have an audience at that point, you know, I can start doing tours off that, I can start go making money off tours, I can hopefully quit my day job and go, you know, just literally live off music and that's the dream, man. I'm not trying to be Drake or anything. I'm trying to just literally live off of music and be able to take care of my people with that money. So, um, yeah, I would, I would more than anything love to, but in the near future right now, it's pretty much just, you know, dropping these singles, working with whoever I can work with, you know, traveling. I'm going to LA in April. I'm going to New York this summer. Like it's just going back and seeing my people and, uh, music people and just working with them and trying to make as many big moves as possible. So, um, but like I said, plans, don't always end up working out for me like shit life is really really interesting and really unexpected so it uh i say all these things and who knows what if i pop off for the next like six months and then i'm like oh well i can drop an album now like it's it's pretty easy now like i've been waiting for this so but i'll tell you what man i'm 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 ecstatic for the day i can drop my debut album slash project like i am i am so ready because i'm gonna lock myself up with my entire team and just make the best fucking music possible like the best fucking music i'm gonna make like oh man i get goosebumps thinking about it bro like i i cannot wait for that day because i've been thinking about it for so long this is even like a dream of like you know 15 year old me when i first started like about having like a debut album you know having like physical cds even just for myself like a vinyl of it like you know being able to tour off it like i'm i'm ecstatic for that day man because it's gonna be a work of art in my opinion and you know, I have such a solid fan base now. I cannot imagine how my fan base will be when I'm actually like, you know, bigger. So if they're still that solid, which I would assume they'd be like, I can only imagine they would love it just as much as I do, which would be the best, best feeling in the world. Would love to see that. That's exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear that you're <laughs> pumping music, you're moving, you're shaking. That's yeah. what we want to hear. So I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I thank you for opening up, being so yeah, honest about everything. I think your listeners are going to love this. So, Aria, thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take it easy. You too, brother. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.